You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And I hope everybody is doing well. Grant Napier here on Listen Up. Hope you had a fabulous weekend. As uh, we get the week started right here on Listen Up, if you want to get on the show, you know how to do it. You hit that hand icon, you raise your hand, and I will put you right up on stage with me. All right, why don't we talk a little NBA basketball, and you talk about dubious distinctions, right? You talk about being in the record book when you don't want to be in the record book. How about the Sacramento Kings? You know, it's pretty amazing. Do you know that if you erased... If you just erased the eight years that Rick Adelman was the head coach of the Sacramento Kings, if you took those eight years out and you looked at the Kings' records, uh, you, you, you wouldn't believe it, right? I mean, you think about it, the team moved here or moved to Sacramento in 1985. Were you, were you alive in 85? If you weren't alive in 85, do you remember what you were doing in 1985 when the Sacramento Kings moved <laughs> from Kansas City to Sacramento? If you took the eight years off the board, you're telling me the Kings don't even get the 500? And they would have only been in two playoffs the season they moved from Kansas City where they lost, they got swept by the Rockets. And then the 96 playoff series against the Seattle Sonics. So now the Kings have had 16 straight losing seasons, an NBA record. It will be 16 years without going to the playoffs because the Kings aren't going to the, they're not going to be in the top 10 this year. It, 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 it's, it's, uh, it's unbelievable when you think of those numbers, is it not? Is it just amazing when you think of the numbers that we're talking about here? You know, I did a rant on this. I, I guess anything's possible. Go ask Cubs fans, right? Long-suffering Cubs fans, not year after year, decade after decade after decade after decade. They finally broke through. They finally won a World Series. Boston Red Sox, right? Finally broke through in 2004. Finally beat the Yankees. Finally won the World Series. I guess it's possible. But when you look at Sacramento at 24 and 42, and you look at how far they are from teams like Phoenix, Golden State, Memphis, Dallas, you know, Minnesota's now. I mean, look at Minnesota. They've won four in a row. They're 36 and 29. Right? 
And, you know, New Orleans, who was left for the dead, has rebounded, and they're now in 10th to get into the play-in tournament if the season ended that way. 27 and 37, which is nothing to get excited about. Get Remember, they haven't had Zion Williamson on the floor. I don't know if they're ever going to have Zion Williamson on the floor. You got Portland at 25 and 38, stinks. San Antonio, stinks. Sacramento, 24 and 42. Just awful. I mean, there's just no other way to say it. And when you look at, you know, seriously, when you look at all the teams in the NBA right now, think about this. Indiana, Detroit, Orlando, Oklahoma City, and Houston are the only teams in the NBA worse records than Sacramento. Indiana, Detroit, Orlando, Oklahoma City, and Houston. 16 straight losing seasons. Let me hear from you. Do you Are you as, uh, I guess, pessimistic as I am about this team being a playoff team anytime soon? I mean, if you don't hit a home run in the draft, seriously. And again, there are five teams worse than Sacramento right now. Now, that doesn't mean you can't get into a top four pick. Doesn't mean you couldn't win the lottery. But if you're Sacramento right now, you know, the last thing you want to do is screw up the year by start winning games. That's the last thing you want to do. Now, I said this before, and I'm going to keep on saying it. The players don't give a damn. You think anybody in the Kings locker room is talking about the draft? They don't care. It's not even it's, it, it's not even a topic of conversation. They do not care. You got the Knicks tonight, Denver, then at Utah, home Chicago, home Milwaukee, home Boston, home Phoenix, and then here's the road trip that could that could absolutely dictate the entire draft. At Indiana, at Orlando, at Miami, at Houston, at Houston. Now, even though the Kings beat Miami back on January 3rd, they're not going to beat Miami on March 29th, okay? So, but Indiana, you know, the Tyrese Halliburton Bowl, you know, you got Sabonis going back to Indiana where they'll play in front of 500 people. If you think the attendance is bad in Sacramento, go look at the numbers for the Pacers games. Then you got Orlando. Then you had the two games against Houston. Kings could easily, easily win four, four of those games. Easily. So yeah, don't be screwing up things now. Don't all of a sudden start being like, wow, okay, we're going to start playing good basketball. Don't do it. Do not do it, please. Do not do it. Don't screw it up. All right? You got a chance. Don't screw it up. Let's get to Mark. Hey, Mark, how are you today? Greg, can you hear me? I sure can, Mark. Good to hear from you. How are you? Good, good, buddy. Hey, we have real real quick, uh, are you uh, are you coming out here this weekend? Uh, no. So you're not going to come out for the Arco Arena thing? No. You know, my, my last memory of the arena was walking out of there with my wife and my boys. And it was a memory that is still entrenched in my mind. And I don't want to change that. And, you know, to be honest, Mark, um, there's no reason. There's no reason for me to go 
back into that facility. I have so many fabulous memories like you do, Mark. Let's be honest. I know you do as well. All the people, the ushers, the concessionaires, all the fans that were there game after game after game after game. You know, the heartbreak of game seven against the Lakers in overtime. Uh, you know, Jerry and I breaking down on set. I mean, I can go on and on. There's just, I have my yeah. memories. I don't want to change. I don't want my lasting impression of the arena to be different than it, than it already is. Yeah, I, I, I get it. Uh, hey, on another note, um, you know, the, you know, my Golden State Warriors, you know, they're right now going through a tough spell and, and I don't think it's, they sure are. I don't think it's coincidental that these young kids are having a hard time adjusting to Clay Thompson coming back. Uh, Jordan Poole, who was playing out of his mind, be, well, uh, before Thompson came came back to the team, uh, him having to adjust now to be, come off the bench, uh, which he's still playing pretty good. But uh, there's just, mm-hmm. um, you know, Draymond Green. I mean, obviously we miss Draymond big time. Uh, big time. But you know, it's kind of you know, it's kind of a little concerning. Uh, even if Draymond comes back and what, you know, what condition is he going to come back at? Is he going to come back hundred percent? You know, he says he's not coming back unless he is. And, you know, with lower backs and, and things like that, I mean, that, you know, uh, the pounding that you take, and especially with him and the way he plays. So just, just a little concerning with the, with that. The other thing, uh, you know, let's, you know, t- let's, you know, LeBron James, the guy, I mean, why don't people just say what it really is with him? Uh, he's a pariah. I mean, he's run so many coaches, you know, out of the league. Uh, now we're talking about, you know, uh, you know, having uh, Westbrook coming off the bench. And I mean, you know, now there's uh, the infighting between Vogel and, and Palenka, you know, about what, what they're going to do. And, you know, every time you turn around, LeBron, LeBron James is in the middle of this thing. And, you know, uh, the guy hasn't really won in seven years, uh, hasn't really done anything in seven years. He's a tremendous basketball player. Don't get me wrong. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop right there. What do you mean he hasn't done anything in seven years? Well, I mean, you know, I mean, that's that, that's not fair. Well, well, I mean, I'm, I'm talking I'm just talking about with, you know, just the, the stuff that he I mean, I don't think the guy brings players together. I think he. I think he, you know, becomes too, you know, too involved with this, you know, with coaching. I, you know, obviously he's a coach on the floor, but I think there's more involved with him, uh, you know, than uh, than than what he than what he really, you know, should be doing as a player. And you know, if you think about it, Cleveland, you, you know, L.A., you know, Miami, you know, everywhere he's went, he's had an issue, and so. Uh, I don't know. And, you know, not, not even talking about all the other stuff that he's done with the politics. Uh, but what do you, what do you think about that? Well, I, I think he's definitely a uh, high maintenance and everything, but here's the reality. The name of the game is to win championships. And the name of the game is to get to, you know, win your respective conference championship and get to the NBA finals. Mm-hmm. Who's done it more than LeBron James? I mean, I know you're talking about Bill Russell, all right? But, I mean, seriously, you know, who who could – you know, isn't that what you're in business for is to win championships and go to the finals? I mean, when you say he hadn't done much in seven years, I mean, I, I, I disagree. I mean, uh, the reality is almost every single year, you know, the guy – what was it, eight straight years 
you know, in the uh, NBA finals. I mean, that's pretty unbelievable. It really is. And they just won a championship. I know it was the bubble, and I get that, two years ago. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there are a lot of teams that wish they could say that. Yeah. The, the, what, I, what I'm, you know, take out the bubble year. And, okay. Know, yeah, get, getting, you know, getting to the NBA finals, it's all about winning championships. We, we all know that. And, you know, uh, so – I don't know. I just, Let me ask you, where do you where do you rank him in terms of uh, best of all time? Where is he just uh, on your list? Do you have a list? And if not, think about it for a second. Where do you put him as greatest players of all time? Heck, I, he's got to be in the top five. I mean, I, I, I would, no question. I mean, he's got to be. I, I have him number two. Jerry Reynolds and I have talked about this a lot. Jerry has him number one. He has him ahead of Jordan. Yeah, you know, uh, well. You know that that's that's the other thing. I mean, you know, let, let's really let's really think about you know, I mean, the time of the big three. You know, with you know with the NBA how it's evolved with you know bringing in big threes. You know, Jordan. You know, nobody gives you know nobody gives you know Scottie Pippen and and Rodman you know a lot of credit. But you know, if Jordan didn't have those guys, I mean, you know, where would Jordan be? Uh, but, but you could say that about any player on any championship team. You well, could you could exactly, say that. That's where, that's where you know, like you could say, what would what would Jerry Rice be if he didn't have Joe Montana as his quarterback? He still would have been really, really, really good. But would have he have been Jerry Rice? I mean, you could say that about a lot of players on a lot of teams. Well, that that's what I'm saying, and that's you know, and that's where the Kings will have a hard time competing, because with with the reputation that they have, I mean, I don't see three big guys coming to the Sacramento Kings. No, uh, no, any, not happening soon. Uh, you know, I mean, how many Grant? You you know this. I mean, the Kings have been in existence how many years? Since '85. Since '85, and yep. what have what have they had? But 37 now head coaches or more? Yeah, it's been unbelievable. I mean, it, it's unbelievable the amount of head coaches. Right. When you look at these successful teams on where they go, but well, I'm kind of getting off track here. But but I I, I see what you're saying. You know. Um, you know Steph Curry, you know Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, the big three, and then you know you you had the big you know the big announcement when you know when LeBron went to Miami with Dwayne Wade and uh, and uh, uh, yep, no, I got you. Yep, yeah. the decision and all that. Yep. Yeah. Hey, yeah, let me so. let me let me yeah let me wrap this up by saying this. I want to get back to your original thought about the Warriors. The Warriors to me are all about. Day one of the playoffs, you make a great point about Draymond Green. You know, he's they're thinking seven to ten days. But if Draymond Green is not 100 percent, the Warriors are not coming out of the West. Clay Thompson, really, since he's come back, this has been nothing more than a long extended training camp because this is all about one thing and one thing only for the Warriors. Are they able to be in full sync, in full gear when the playoffs begin? And if and I'm saying if if they are, nobody in the West is going to want to play them. I mean, that's just the reality. If they're healthy and they're in gear, they're in full sync, no one's going to want to see them in the playoffs. Now, they've got a long way to go to get there. They've lost 8 of 10, as you pointed out. They don't look like the same team. They miss Draymond. All of those things have to happen in order for them to get on a roll. Yeah. And, and you know, so, it, you know, it, it, is kind of, it is kind of different to see this team play the way they are. I mean, they haven't played this way in yep. quite a while, uh, even with Clay out of the lineup. You yep. Know. Uh, for the last couple of years. So anyways, all right, man, good hearing from you. you. Yep. Have a great week. All right, buddy. You too. Talk to you later. All right. Take care.
All right, let's move along here. Good stuff right there. And uh, we get to uh, some more phone calls here on the Monday edition of Listen Up, and it's Jerry. Hello, Jerry. How are you today? I'm good, Grant. How are you doing? I'm good, buddy. What's going on? Hey, um, I always have to say that, um, you know what, uh, growing up walking, uh, watching Michael Jordan, I would say um, I would take him over LeBron James. And reason why Grant is I know it was a different era back then, but Magic never went to any different teams. Jordan never went to any different teams. Bird never went to any different teams to win championships. That's, I mean, I mean, I know that uh, times change, but that's how I see it. Well, you make a good point. I mean, there is something to say about that, you know, whereas LeBron pretty much had his pick of the litter other than Cleveland, where he was drafted. But, you know, he made a decision to go to Miami. Uh, he made a decision to go to the Lakers. Uh, yes. And, and, and take players with him. I mean, look at what happened in Miami. I mean, yes, it's a very good point. Uh, there is a lot to be said of that. A lot, and you're right, it was a different era. But the 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 fact that LeBron pretty much could handpick where he wanted to go and pretty much who 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 would go with him, uh, you cannot discount that. You're absolutely right. But that does not take away from the guy's individual prowess. I mean, whether you like LeBron, I'm not saying you, whether people like LeBron or not, whether people respect LeBron or not, he is an absolute incredible freak of nature and a marvel. You know, I was blessed to announce his first ever NBA game. And Jerry Reynolds on television, that first game, a teenager out of high school said that we may be watching what is going to end up being the greatest player of all time if he stays healthy. And there are some, including Jerry, that thinks he is the greatest of all time. That was pretty amazing for Jerry to say that in his first ever game, one, you know, a couple of months out of high school. Grant, let me ask you something. You think when LeBron James was growing up, 14, 15, 16 years old, and people calling him already King James, do you think that gave that man an ego even before he came to the NBA? Uh, yes, it gave him maybe, I don't know if ego is the right word. It, it, it gave him the, I guess, an aura of confidence. See, the one thing about LeBron that I've always talked about Again, doesn't matter whether you care for him as a player or not or whatever. The guy has the most unbelievable confidence when he's on a basketball floor. And he plays like that almost every night. And so, you know, call it ego, call it, I'm not really sure what adjective to use, but he's had it for a long time. I don't think there's any question about that. And, yeah, Grant, we all know the guy's a very good uh, – well, he's a great player, but I uh... – no, I'm just going to say this. I'm going to end it. Uh, Jordan is the best player I've ever seen play. I'm going to leave it at that. Okay, right? so, all right, it's LeBron. Okay, you're gonna, you are can end it there. Where just where would you have LeBron? Is he two on your list? Is he three? Is he four? I mean, I don't see any way in the world he's nowhere. He, he There's no way he can be anywhere below five. I mean, if you don't want to have him one and you want to put Bill Russell two or Will Chamberlain two or Magic, whatever, but you, you LeBron's in the top five. There's no that That's to be not even debatable. Definitely, Grant. He's uh, he is in the top five. Uh, personally, you know what I, I, you know he's a great talent on the court, but uh, I mean I just don't care for the guy. And uh, I know he's done a lot for the NBA, but you know what he's not one of my top guys. So. Yeah. Thanks for the call. Really appreciate right. it. That's okay. how that's how I feel about Barry Bonds. I can't stand Barry Bonds, but I have to acknowledge, you know, he's one of the greatest players of all time. And I hate the guy. When I mean I hate the guy, I don't mean I don't. I I totally dislike the man just from his actions of the way he treated people on the field and on the, uh, in the locker room and the media. Um, that's just my 
feeling. There's just no excuse in life to be disrespectful the way Barry Bonds was. But yet, I have to acknowledge he's one of the very, very greatest uh, of all time. All right, we uh, check in with Jeff right here on Listen Up. Hello, Jeff. How are you? Good, Grant. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. What can I do for you? Hey, I, I was just uh, calling you to see if uh, you've been keeping up with the MLB discussions and where where do you think it's at? And uh, I know it's been very frustrating for you. I've heard your takes and all of us, you know. But what where's the shift thing at? I, I thought I read that they're going to uh, make a rule against it or something. Well, they, they're going to they're going to change a couple of things around in the game. Let me ask the answer the first part of your question. If you if you talk to the people that are in the know how, they feel that the owners want this because they lose so much money in the first month of the season because of weather and no one's in the baseball in April. It's too cold to go to games in most cities in America, and that the owners are perfectly content not having baseball for the first month of the season. If you also listen to people that are closer to the negotiations and some of the quotes, the word is deadlocked, that they are just deadlocked. And it's because the owners don't want to play because the owners actually are making money for the month of April by not playing because they lose so much money in revenue in a month where fans don't really give a damn other than opening day. I mean, you can go to opening day in almost any ballpark in America and it's packed. And then the next day, you know, you have 5,000 people, you know, because it's of the weather. So owners are really, they're okay with not having games right now. What's going to happen though, when the calendar switches to May, we may have a complete change in further concessions from the owners. That's how, that's, that's what Jeff, most people feel is going on. Well, that, that makes perfect sense. I didn't think about that. I did hear, that they don't have to pay the big ass salaries to like Scherzer and all those guys are like yep. losing two hundred fifty thousand dollars a a day or a game or a, a day I think it is, you know, by not being in camp, you know, they're losing big time money to the players. They don't have to pay them salaries. Well, here's what they're again. If 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 they don't have a deal this week, and again, if you if it doesn't appear that that will happen, all right, then you are going to have – the first month of the season is going to be off the board pretty quickly here. It's going to be pretty quickly here. It's going to happen pretty quickly. So we'll see. You know, I know that the, the – the, here's the other positive. Well, I don't even know if I should say positive, Jeff. They continue to talk. You know, if there's dialogue, there's right. always a chance. Right, right, right. right. I mean, yeah. it's not going to happen without talking. I mean, it's not going to happen without meeting. At least, at least they continue to have discussions. And again, right. I know that that's maybe not the greatest thing in the world, but I do know that, you know, at least there's a chance if you are going to have discussions and continue to meet every day or, you know, every, whatever, at least you have a chance. So, you know, right. to their credit, at least they're doing that. Well, do you think they're, I mean, I heard you talking to Bernsey the other day, uh, do yeah. Think, do you really think they're trying to bust a union, or is that a, just a that's just a rumor? Bernsey doesn't think so. I mean, um, I don't. I, I I don't know what to believe anymore. Here, here's the only thing that, first of all, and I say this without being being in a union before, so I'm, I, this is not anti-union. It has nothing to do with that. I don't care whether they 
break the union. I don't care about how much money the players are making. I don't care what the uh, cap issue is. I don't care about any of that stuff. I care about are you playing, are you on the field, or are you not? How you get there, I don't really care. It doesn't. It doesn't affect me, Grant Napier. Uh, I, I want to see. I want to see the sport played, and I want to see it played better than it has been. That's what I care about. As far as all the particulars, you know, how much money players are making, what the tax threshold is, what salary arbitration is. I don't give a damn about any of that stuff. It doesn't. Why would I care how much players are making? It doesn't affect me. Yeah, you're right. That sounds good. All right, I mean, well, you care. You're, you're a baseball fan. You care how much your players on your favorite actually, team make? Who care? We can't relate you know, to that. You know, I was born in 1961, and I, right. I grew up I grew up a Giants fan, and my grandpa played for the San Francisco Seals with the DiMaggio's. He's from San wow. Francisco. So uh, he used to take me to Candlestick, Seal Stadium, Candlestick, all that. But my dad was Willie Mays' mechanic, uh, uh, and then he had say hey on his license plate. So I actually feel sorry for those guys I grew up watching, my heroes. I really think there should be some kind of compensation fund for those guys that brought in the game and, you know, as something to, uh, you know, these guys that make the, that only hitting 245, 250, making all these millions and millions and millions of dollars. Just, Tough. It, it makes me sick. When I used to watch Willie Mays play his ass off every day, yep. you know, and yep. just run the bases like a like a gazelle and play the outfield and play every day. I mean, you know, hurt. There was no I'm, my pinky hurts today. Those guys were in the lineup every day. Jeff, thanks for the call, man. Be good. All right, thanks. Bye bye. All right, you know, back to what Mark asked me to start off the show, and it's great to have you here on this Monday edition of Listen Up. You know, if you're a Kings fan or if you're a fan of that arena, Arco Arena, and that there was really nothing like it in the entire NBA other than, in my opinion, Chicago Stadium. The I, I'm just curious how many people are going to the final quote-unquote event, final opportunity. I'm just curious. Are you going or not? Are you, are you going to go to the arena for the last time? Uh, I mean, I'm sure not. You know, again, walking out of that arena with my wife and my kids for the last time was the memory that I will take away with me. I remember just saying, that's it. You know, I'm done. I, I won't ever be back in this building. And, and when I say back in the building, I mean in the bowl of the arena. I believe I was back in the building going up to the executive offices on the third floor. I believe I went into the doors of the employee entrance and right into the elevator, but I don't ever, I, I matter of fact, I know it. I was never back in the arena bowl looking at the seats and stuff. I, I don't believe, I mean, I, I, could I be wrong? I could be, but I don't think so. But no, I'm, I have no desire at all. None. Now, I, if you do, I'd, I'd love to know why and what would be the purpose of it. Uh, just what to take pictures? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But it, it won't be me. I, I won't be there. I can I can promise you that. All right. Hey, if you want to get in on the program today, hit your hand icon, raise your hand, uh, and we will do it. All right. Big day is coming up in the National Football League, and that means Aaron Rodgers 
what is going to happen. He hinted last week on the Pat McAfee show on Sirius XM that a decision would in all likelihood be coming before tomorrow. So, you know, the Packers have made a very significant offer on a long-term contract. And I don't know why Aaron Rodgers would not go back to Green Bay. I, I don't understand. Because, you know, tomorrow is the franchise tender deadline. So the reason why that is so important is Devontae Adams. If Aaron Rodgers does not have Devontae Adams, then I don't see him going to Green Bay. But I think the Packers are going to find out or figure out a way to make it happen with Adams. And if not, you tag him and he's there anyway. So if Devontae Adams, see, to me, he and uh, Aaron Rodgers are a package deal in terms of Green Bay. There may not be a package deal with another team in the NFL, but they're a package deal in Green Bay. Just that, you know. Now, we always talk about the salary cap and the cap space in the National Football League. If Aaron Rodgers does not play in Green Bay, uh, the Packers would get between 19 and 26 million in salary cap savings. And uh, I don't really understand this like I should, but that depends on the timing of the decision. Aaron Rodgers is, and you got to really feel sorry for athletes like this, is supposed to make this coming year, all right, $46 million against the cap. All right, so that's the number against the cap. And again, I don't even know. We talk, you know, Jeff and I were just talking about salaries. Like you got Mahomes, who's got a $450 million deal. His annual salary is about $45 million. So, you know, I, I don't really know. I, I, I don't know how you would look at this situation with Aaron Rodgers and say, yeah, I'm going to go play somewhere else. Uh-uh. I, I just don't see it. I do not see it. All right. It is an absolute pleasure to bring up on stage with me my main man, Philip from Galt. Now, Philip, you need to hit your microphone icon. It's a little, little circle, and it's like a smiley face underneath the microphone. You hit that, Philip, and then when you hit that button, you'll be on with me. I haven't talked to Philip in a long time, and he's one of the best. So, Philip, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I know you're listening. I'm going to put you back in the audience, all right? And then you raise your hand like you just did, but then you have to turn your microphone on so that I can hear you. You'll see a little green light go on, all right? So try to do that again, figure it out, and we'll get you on. In the meantime, if you want to join me, uh, please do. Are you with me on this, Aaron Rodgers? Like, if you're Aaron Rodgers at this point in your career, first of all, the best quarterbacks in football are all in the AFC. All right. We just saw what Burrow did. We know about Mahomes. We saw what Josh Allen did in the AFC title game. Right. You look at the best quarterbacks in the AFC. You know, you look at the Chargers with Herbert. If you're Aaron Rodgers, isn't your best chance to stay in the NFC and get to the Super Bowl that way? Who do you have? in the NFC from a Super Bowl perspective that you look at and go, well, gee, that guy's as good as me or better. Uh, you could say Matthew Stafford, but come on, right? Um, in the in the NFC, 
If Russell Wilson's healthy on a good team, yeah, he's not Aaron Rodgers. Very good. So to me, if you're looking at really doing this to to win championships, then you might as well stay in Green Bay. Now, if you could somehow end up in San Francisco, to me, that would be the route to go. But I, I, I just don't see that happening. I really don't. All right, so tomorrow is a big day in the NFL. If you want to uh, come on the program, again, hit your hand icon, raise your hand, uh, and I will put you right on. Grant Napier here on this Monday on Listen App. We are so happy to have you here. We, again, want to go back and talk about what Mark brought up at the beginning of the show, and that is do you do you have interest in going to Arco for the last time at the event coming up on the – I think it's this weekend, right? Do you – Will you make the trip to Natomas to go into that old barn one last time? What do you think? You're going to do it? And if so, why? What would be the reason? Actually, I'll tell you, with how bad the Kings have been, you know, at Golden One Center in the home court, you might as well, you know, renovate the damn thing and see if you can win some games in that building. I'm exaggerating, obviously. But, I mean, the Kings record at the Golden One Center, since they moved in there, has been dismal. There's been absolutely no home court advantage for the Kings. But, you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful building. I mean, it's spectacular. But the team has been anything but. The team's been horrible. And, you know, this is no time to be winning games if you're Sacramento. And tonight, you got a team... That's horrible, too, in the Knicks. At 26 and 38, they've won 8 of 10. All right? So, you know, you're running out of games here to lose. Got to make up your mind. And when I say make up your mind, I'm not talking about the players tanking. I'm not talking about the players not going out to win. They're trying to win. They tried to win against Dallas the other day. I'm talking about rotations, young players. I'm talking about minutes. You know, I'm talking about those type of things. That's what I'm talking about. So that's what we have to look at if you're talking about the Kings. What's their rotations? How's Alvin Gentry going to coach? Philip, how you doing, my man? What's up, Grant? Can you hear me? Philip, I can hear you. It's so great to hear your voice, my friend. How are you, sir? <laughs> Grant, man, we miss you in Sacramento. I miss you too, Philip. You're you're the best, man. You're one of my favorite, favorite guys. You're one of my favorite people in the world, man. I miss you. I miss hearing your voice. How are you? Oh, Grant, I'm doing I'm doing great. It's just good to hear you on the app, and uh, we're supporters of you. Um, Grant, I'm going to the I'm th- I'm going to the Arco Arena, the last uh, the last okay. event, I guess. That's that sounds fun. I like WWE. I know you're not a WWE guy, but I see no. I seen Hulk Hogan there, and he's one of my favorites. He's all he's uh, one of the greats. But uh, one of my favorite Kings moments were. In the 2000s, the Kings versus Lakers, the Shaq and Kobe. Those were some good yep. days. You know, you know that. Yeah. Uh, can you tell me the story? I think it was about Tony the Tiger Lopez. He's in my friend oh. T.C. Martin, Sacramento Sports yep. Hall of Fame. Uh, Tony yep. the Tiger Lopez. Didn't you, like, go under the ring or something? Can you? T- I'll tell you right now, Philip. that yeah, that fight – it was the first championship fight I had ever been to, 
and I had seats so close to the ring that I could actually rest my forearms on the ring. And he was fighting Rocky Lockridge for the world title. And it ended up being Ring Magazine's fight of the year. And Lopez got knocked down to the canvas early in the fight and won a fight against the then champion, Rocky Lockridge. And to this day, I'm glad you brought that up, Philip. you got a great memory. To this day, that is one of the most amazing events that I've ever been to. And I've been to the World Series, the Stanley Cup Finals, the electricity, the energy in that building for that fight with Tony Lopez. The fight that you're referring to was when I was under the ring. It was a fight on uh, CBS and uh, Gil Clancy, I think, and Tim Ryan were doing the fight on national TV. And I'll never forget this. Fans, after the decision was made, started littering the ring and they started throwing stuff, like everything. And I was, again, sitting right up against the ring, Philip, and I climbed underneath the ring I was underneath the ring on my hands and knees with a few others and because of all the debris going down. Yes. And I can't even, I'm not, I can't remember who was fighting that day. It might've been Loretto Garza or it could have been Tony Lopez. It was one of the two and I can't remember, but uh, yeah, the, the fights, the championship fights at Arco arena, Philip, great memory on your part. They were great. They were great. Uh, th- uh, thanks Grant. And then I just remember like uh I used to go by security entrance, and I used to see you, and uh, I met Shaq when he came, when he was yep. a part owner, and uh, I remember your partner, Jerry Reynolds, he'd always have yep. a bag of popcorn after the game. Always. <laughs> always. <laughs> oh, hey, Philip, how many pictures, hey, Philip, 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 how many pictures do you think that you and I took together? Seriously. Uh, we took a bunch, remember the Super Bowl parties? Yeah, the yeah. no, we, we always were always buddy it's oh, you know what here it's great to hear from you and i want you to do me a favor i want you to tell your friends about this app too so they can start listening like you do hey do you hear from stanley and roseville anymore no you got to get the word out i want on the call you got to get the word out you can help me with this philip you know you're everyone knows who you are in the area you can start passing the word along and uh, we can get more people listening okay okay grant i will most definitely and for old times sake, can you give me a come on come on Come on. Come on there. Come on, Philip. Come on. What are you, crazy? Philip, come on. Thanks, Grant. Philip, you're the best, man. Good hearing from you. You take care. Grant. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. That's good, man. I haven't heard I haven't heard from him in a while. Well, since I was in Sacramento. I love Philip. What a good you know what? Those are the people 
there's so many people that I miss, but wow. Philip's just a, uh, just a, a great person and such a huge fan of Sacramento. Just love that. You know, I probably miss talking to the people at the arena, maybe as much as actually announcing the games. You know how many people over the years that I've just gotten to know from coming up to me and talking to me at the games, before the games, after the games, if I was walking on the concourse, you know, somebody might stop and want a picture and we would chat and like, I missed that. I really missed that. Like the connection with the fans. That's why I love this app because I have the connection with you where on my podcast, you know, almost every podcast I do is recorded. So there's no live interaction. This app is just phenomenal for me to get a guy like Philip and so many others that I've spoken to since I started doing this show on listen app. And again, I've got big plans. This is my, I'm like the warriors right now. That's what that, that's what this is. This is like my extended warm up act, you know, getting people acclimated, learning how to use the app, you know, Philip walking him through how to get on. This is just my little, this is my, this is my training camp. I got big things coming up. All right. And we're going to take this thing to a whole nother level. All right. It's going to be huge. I'm really looking forward to that. All right. Hey, if you want to come on the program, all you need to do is hit your hand icon. Phillip's going to be at the arena this weekend. What about you? Are you going back to Arco? Uh, what about the game tonight? Again, do you agree with me or do you disagree about with the Kings only having, what, 16 games left? Now's not the time to, like, let's go get some momentum for next year. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. The time to get momentum for next year was November and December and January. All right? Not like, not like March, all right, with the uh, finish line in sight. No. No. The Kings have 16 games left. They are, again, 24 and 42. They're not, they're, you know, they, they could probably go, oh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do the math here. They could go 12 and four and they still wouldn't get into the top 10. All right. <laughs> they're, 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 they're done. They're finished. And I just want to know how they're going to coach coming down the stretch here. Are they going to still just try to go out and win every game? And if so, why? Now I know the players are, but I'm talking about the organization. I'm not talking about the players that are on the court. They don't give a darn. They don't care about the draft order. So this is going to be interesting to see how the Kings do this tonight. All right. So in the NBA tonight, all right, your schedule looks like this. Again, the Kings are at home against the Knicks. The Knicks have been just dreadful. I mean, the Knicks have been horrible. They, you think Sacramento's got problems. They got the same problems as the Knicks and vice versa. The Knicks have problems. The Kings have problems. And really, it starts right at the top with your ownership. All right, Atlanta is at Detroit. You have Chicago and Philadelphia playing at Philly. Houston is in South Florida taking on the Heat. Portland's at Minnesota. 
Dallas hosts the Jazz. The Lakers are in San Antonio. Golden State travels to Denver. And the Knicks, as we said, are taking on Sacramento. So that's your schedule. That's your schedule. If the if the Kings do not end up with one of the four worst records, then they got to get a little lucky with the draft. They got to get a little lucky with the ping pong balls. So we'll see what happens. All right. All right. Let's get to uh, some more phone calls right here on Listen Up. And we say hello to Marty. Hey, Marty, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? Huh. I'm good, Marty. What's going on? Uh, nothing much. I had a question and a half for you. I work up in Chico for FedEx, so I wanted to get on today if I didn't have the chance tomorrow. Um, you said, well, not only you, but I've heard other people say it too. De'Aaron Fox need to be the third best player uh, on a playoff team. Yes. Assuming DeMontis Sabonis is that number one, who would you slide in as that as that second player? He doesn't. He doesn't exist on the team right now. I mean, you you need to go out and get that. Now, I think Harrison Barnes is one of the most underappreciated players in the league because he just does everything well. He doesn't do anything great. Uh, but you know, Harrison, if you can keep Harrison and he can be your fourth best player, then you have something that's really special. So that player that you're referring to is not currently on the team. It's not currently on the team now. If you had been able to, and again, it's, I'm just for sake of conversation with you, had right. you been able to keep Halliburton and Fox and and get Sabonis, then all of a sudden you have something, all right? Because I think Halliburton actually and would be a better player than Fox, and then Fox could be the third. It, now you still also have to learn how to play with one another, and you have to have the pieces fit. But I'm just talking about in terms of talent. In order for the Kings to get to that uh, level of playoff, 50 wins. And 50 wins, obviously, is a playoff team. But I'm talking about to be an upper echelon team. I always use the number 50. De'Aaron Fox has to be your third best player. And I I didn't even think of it that way. And I don't want to tell you who I was speaking to because I, I didn't ask them if I could mention this. But he's a phenomenal NBA expert. And he made that comment to me. He goes, you know, if the Kings are ever going to be good, De'Aaron Fox has to be your third best player. He can't be your best player or your second best player. If he is, you're not going to be very good. And I, I, I thought about it, and he was spot on. He compared him a little bit to John Wall. Mm-hmm. And I said, wow, what a great comparison that is. Guy that can't shoot, Wall was explosive. John Wall would have some great games just like, you know, now John Wall was a better player than De'Aaron Fox. But John Wall still couldn't shoot just like De'Aaron. De'Aaron's, to me, in the NBA, if your three-point shot is inconsistent as a point guard, you're still limited in what you can do. That's just how I feel. And just hypothetically speaking, would you feel like a player, if they were available, like Bradley Beal, would be that second option? Mm, yeah, I'm I'm worried about Beal and his health and the attrition uh, that he has on his body. Mm-hmm. That that would concern me if I'm looking at building with Sabonis. But a player like that, all right, maybe not Bradley Beal, but a player like that, and those mm-hmm. are not, they're not easy to come by. Then yes. Absolutely. But this this injury for Beal is different. It's not his legs. It's his wrist. Yeah. So that doesn't concern me as much. But Beal with his, you know, knees and the, the 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 attrition on him, that would make me a little nervous if you could acquire him. But yes, that that that, that that's a player that you're referring to someone like that. Absolutely. I feel you. Um, and then one more thing. I just wanted your advice on something. Um, unfortunately, yep. I was a sucker on uh, that season high two-win win streak when they got Sabonis. And I yep. uh, managed to 
to uh, grab some courtside seats for uh, Wednesday's game against uh, um, the Nuggets. And I was wondering if you just had any yep. advice on that. I don't understand. Do I have any oh, thoughts like, on you going? What kind of, what can I expect or, you know. Um, I've, With I've the Kings, you have no idea. Oh, well, it's great. Courtside, it's a phenomenal experience. And if you're sitting courtside, it also gets you into the Lexus Lounge. And that's a very pleasant experience. Now, in all fairness, I haven't been back since the pandemic. And I don't know if how different it may be, but that's a phenomenal experience having that lounge to go to before the game or during the game or halftime or and then to be courtside and see the size of the players and the force that they play with. You're going to really enjoy it. I'll tell you, call me on Thursday. I'd like to hear what it was like for you. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks for your time, Grant. All right, Marty drive safe out there, buddy. Be good. Take care. All right. I mean, anyone that's been courtside for the first time, I remember what it was like for me. I mean, I couldn't believe it. You know, I always tell people this. I was at games all the time with my father and brother. We had season tickets for the giants. We had season tickets for the jets. We'd go to a lot of New York Rangers games, Yankee games, college games. Could never went to the Knicks game because you couldn't get tickets. But we never had – I never was close to the field or the court or the ice. And it never once dawned on me. I never thought about it. I was so grateful. I mean, when I mean grateful, I was so excited. Maybe grateful is not the term because I think at that age or two, you don't really think of it in terms of that. But I remember being excited. Every time I was getting ready to go to a game, like it was a big, big, big deal in me. I didn't care where we sat and it never it dawned on me. And then I remember when I was in junior high school, the, the night that I met Marv Albert, I, have a, I had a friend that I went to school with who was very, very close with the McGuire family, Al McGuire, Dick McGuire, Frank McGuire. And they had season tickets for the Knicks, like three rows off the floor. And through the Maguires, they arranged for, and I'll never forget it, it was Frank Maguire, who's just a phenomenal person, a very well-known basketball mind, great scout. He introduced me to Marv Albert before the game one night, and I'll never forget it because the Knicks were playing the Chicago Bulls with Jerry Sloan and Bob Love and Bullwinkle. And I was, that was a, night that I'll never forget because number one, I met the man that ended up being responsible for me having the career that I had. And I mean, I remember exactly where I was. I remember what I was wearing. I remember what I was wearing the day I met Marv Albert at Madison square garden. I remember where I was because you know, they used Marv used to announce right over where the Knicks came out. So when you see Willis Reed, come out at Madison Square Garden for game seven against the Lakers. Well, Marv announced right on top of the, the tunnel there. And we met Marv right above that when he was coming out of the concourse. And I talked to Marv for about five minutes. And, you know, fast forward, that would have been 19, that would have been in the mid-70s. So that was probably, gosh, I'm trying to think that early 70s, now that I think about that. So then fast forward to 1998, and I'm on the floor, all right? 
on the floor at Madison Square Garden for the first time as an announcer announcing the Kings and the Knicks. And four seats to my left is Marv Albert announcing the same game that I am. Like there are things in life that you just will never forget. But I remember that whole night and I remember sitting courtside, fairly courtside, third row, and how unbelievable the experience was. To this day, I'll never forget it. I just could not believe how thrilling that was at that age for me. I think I was in eighth grade. I, I'll never forget it. That whole night, that whole, even what I was wearing, I'll never, ever forget that night at Madison Square Garden. And again, it was also a thrill to be at a Knicks game because the Knicks had just won a championship in the 69-70 season, and you could not get tickets. But getting tickets for the Knicks was, like, impossible. Seriously, you couldn't get tickets to the Knicks. There's the hottest ticket in town. And I mean the hottest ticket in town. It was, you couldn't go, couldn't get in. So I never, I don't even know if my dad, myself, and my brother ever went to a Knicks game together. Matter of fact, now that I think about it, I'm not sure we ever went to a Knicks game. We were at hundreds of NFL games. We were at many Ranger games, Yankee games. We were at the uh, ECAC Holiday Festival. I always remember the story when LSU was playing at the Holiday Festival at Madison Square Garden. And my dad got tickets for my brother and I and my dad. And I'll never forget this. Pete Maravich, the great Pistol Pete, was playing for LSU. And Pete Maravich came out onto the floor before anyone else. Now, think about this. A college kid came out onto the floor before anyone else and put on a dribbling exhibition for all the fans at Madison Square Garden. I was at the All-Star Game, NHL All-Star Game. You could easily get tickets for that. My dad came home uh, one day and goes, I got great news for you. We're going to the All-Star Game tomorrow. I'm like, you are kidding me. And Bobby Orr fell on the ice being introduced. You know, but you think about when we were at the Milrose Games, which was the indoor track and field. I remember Marty LaQuarrie, the track star at Villanova. Just Marty would win the mile in his Villanova, you know, tank top with the shorts. And, you know, there'd be three, you know, it's a short track. It's banked. There'd be three or four laps left. And you'd go, God, Marty's going to get upset. There's no way he's going to win. Everybody everybody went to watch Marty LaQuarrie win the mile, to, to run the mile, everyone. I mean, the Milrose games were incredible. The track and field at Madison Square Garden. And I'm telling you right now, with about two laps left, Marty would get the kick going. And then when the bell lap sounded, it was like Marty was shot out of a cannon. Seriously, it was amazing. And it was like that for every year that he was at Villanova. Now, I'll never forget that. You know, the things you remember, like, wow, I remember watching Marty LaQuarrie at Madison Square Garden in the Milrose Games uh, on that indoor short track. It was amazing. It was thrilling. Thrilling. Absolutely a thrilling event back there at the Milrose Games. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, the reason why I'm mentioning this is I know there are a lot of people listening that have such fond memories of Arco. For me... I mean, I, I remember the concerts. I was at Whitney Houston on New Year's Eve one night. It was phenomenal. I want to say that was around 90, 91, maybe, you know, but it was around in there. I remember, you know, again, 
Whitney Houston, New Year's Eve at Arco Arena. You know, I remember Billy Joel and Elton John putting on their three-hour concert. I remember being there for you, too. So you think about not only the basketball, think about the musicians. Think about the great the great musicians, the great bands, the great musical artists. And then Philip with a great job today. Philip talking about Tony Lopez and those great championship fights. Uh, they're, they're, listen, some phenomenal, phenomenal events at Arco Arena. Alfred, how are you, Al? Good to have you on. Those are great memories, Nate. Man, I'm, I'm jealous, man. I'm telling you, your dad, man, taking you off. We didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up, man, in Half Moon Bay. But we scratched. But, you know, my dad did what he could. But, man, going to both the Jets and Giants and and all yep. those memories. Yeah, I remember the, the, the Tony Lopez fights, uh, fighting Bobby Mitchell. He was a South African. And they had two. And he come out the eye of the tiger. And you had Loretto yep. Garza. You had uh, so many great local uh, fighters. And it was a big thing. Me and my brother, I'd moved here in 89. And it was like... Oh, we got into the whole local boxing. Those guys were so popular. And we go, and there was one one match where the Arca was pretty full. It was being televised on one of the networks. And you can see, I'm looking across the way at John Madden and Roger Craig, the Niners running them. It was big, you know, and it was a championship. Yep. And Mitchell outpointed uh, Tony. They had good fights. It was like toe-to-toe. You Great know? fights. But, uh, that was fun stuff, and I never seen a lot of boxing matches in my life. And all of a sudden, the whole local boxing scene in Sacramento back in the late eighties—I don't oh. know before. Well, it was, was even it was even big. It was Bobby Chacon, I believe, was it was huge yeah. even before then. Sacramento's always been a great fight town, always. Yeah, I didn't know. I, I didn't. I didn't because we moved in '89. But yeah, I just there was a tradition, and and yep. uh, so I got to see a uh, number of uh, cards out there: Loretto Garza yep. and. Uh, I didn't see yep. Bobby fight, Bobby Chacon. But uh, you know what? I'm, I'm really – let me ask you. I'm, you know, I'm really disappointed. Is Arco going to – are any of the old legends? You, uh, I have no idea. I, 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 I have no idea. I, haven't, I, I really don't know. I want to say something to you because you just brought up something to me that I want you to know. And I, I'm, I'm not saying this in a, uh, in a negative or any, any other way, but you just brought up the money. You know, I grew up – in a middle-class family and my dad, no, wait a minute. My dad had his own insurance business. His father started it in New York city. It was called Matthew Napier and son. And here's what I remember about my dad. My dad never, ever drove a nice car. My dad did all the grocery shopping in the family on Saturday. And I used to go with him and my dad, I'll never forget this. My dad would buy if, if it was on sale, like a food item, my dad would buy it. My dad never wore nice clothes. You know what my dad did? My dad took all of his extra money and bought tickets for me and my brother and him to share and go to sporting events. I'll always remember that about my dad. My dad would never spend money on anything nice. Never. I don't, in all of my years, I don't ever remember walking into a store and my dad buying e- any of us anything nice. But if we needed cleats, if we needed uh, my, we, you know, yeah. this was the, how great was this back in the day? So we had a sports shop in our town. It was called the Syosset Sports Shop. And, you know, yeah. we'd come home from school and sometimes we would be on a team and we would need a glove or we would need other. Right. And my dad would make the call from work 
And he would call the sports shop and go, hey, um, my son's coming down and then I'll come down this weekend and make payment. You know what I mean? Like, it's just the, the good old days where there was the honor system, yeah. the trust. But when you brought that up, you, you know, you just you brought up. I never really well, I mean, I remember this, but my dad, now that I think about it, we went to all of those games because of my dad's lifestyle, which yeah. was so like, I used to get upset at my dad. We would, I really mean that there were, I, my dad would buy the crappiest food that was on sale. <laughs> no, really, hey, I know, hey, no, remember, like, did they have spam in a can? Man? Oh my yes, God. Man. Yes. I mean, and I'm like, you know, but, but the, you know, and again, when you're young, you don't really appreciate, you know, going to games. I mean, I, I got excited, but I didn't like think about, gee, how lucky am I? But uh, you, you, but I got excited every time we would go to a game. We used to go to college games. My dad would take us to – we go – I can't even begin to tell you how many St. John's basketball games we were at at Madison Square Garden or, you know, the Big East tournament. We would go watch Syracuse play St. John's or Georgetown play Seton Hall, and we'd be there. They would have four games in a day, and we'd be at Madison Square Garden all day watching four college games. Okay, your dad – God bless, bless Bert, man. He was – he yep. was a – he was a man of he was a salt of the earth kind of guy, man. He, Yo, he, he was. You know, he, oh, yes, he was. He, you know, here he knew the value of the dollar and the money, and he was committed yep. and devoted to his family. And so he, he, my dad did the same thing. When he scrounged it up enough, he'd always take us to giveaway days because at least we'd get like a, we'd get a, you would get a thirty ounce yep. Louisville Slugger back in the day, not some kind of little. Yep little trinket thing he'd be and, uh, banging those bats at candlestick park and oh my god yep well, anyway, and i'll never man, forget I this to... i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna tell you one other story about my dad since yeah, we're talking yeah, about you know me losing my job over all lives matter yeah. every single one and how i was raised so in 10th grade we had a new student in our high school and on the, the guy's name was joe marino and joe had an afro and joe was black and anyway i'll never forget the first football game in jv my dad goes to the game and who's this? And I said, oh, he's new. And, um, you know, he he's he's he lives at the orphanage. And my daddy lives at the orphanage. He goes, well, OK. And so my dad goes, I want you to invite him to uh, the game this Sunday to the Giants yeah. game. And he goes, he goes, uh, I'll get an extra ticket or whatever. That's how my dad was. So anyway, um, I said and Joe didn't want to go. Joe. And, and again, I say this. As it turned out, the reason why Joe kept on and my dad would go, is Joe going to go to the game? And I, and, I, and I said, no, dad, Joe, Joe doesn't want to go to the game. So my dad calls the school, OK, finds out that Joe's living in an orphanage in Syosset. And the reason why Joe did not want to go to the game is he did not want us to drive up to the orphanage and pick him up because of his confidence. And my dad made sure that Joe was going to go to the game with us, made the call to the orphanage, made the call to the school, set everything up. And Joe ended up going to one game a year with us. And again, getting an extra ticket back then was not easy, but that's yeah. how like that. That's, that's my dad. See, my dad was doing things like that all the time. That's how my brother and I, that's how we were raised. That's what we right. saw as kids. My dad was, all about civil rights. My dad was my dad was so far ahead of the curve when it came to equality. And that's how I was raised. So like, you know, when people and I'm getting off on a tangent, but I think it's important. You know, I get I get fired. I lose my career for all lives matter, every single one. But all lives matter is all I've known ever since I was old enough to remember 
anything in life, three, four years old. I mean, it was always ingrained in my mind because of what my dad did for others and particularly the black community. My dad was doing things. I, I was at a Knicks game. We were in town. You know, when I came into New York, it was a big deal. You know, my dad, my aunt, my brother, you know, we would go out to dinner if we had a night off or whatever. But my dad, I'll never forget, calls me. And my dad said, says, I'm not going to be able to go to dinner. I'm running late. I'm like, wow. You know, that was so unlike my dad. We would always get together before the game. And then we'd go. Walk, we, I would walk into the garden together. I would have a press pass for him. He'd be on the floor. And I'll never forget this story. My dad gets to the game. I go, dad, what was going on? He goes, well, listen, he goes, I've been visiting. Uh, my dad was the head of Men Against Domestic Violence uh, on Long Island. Now, he was the head of wow. that. And my dad had met. Uh, my dad went to the prison and would go visit a black lady in prison she had killed her husband it was self-defense because she was getting beaten all the time and it was the best way out for her she took the life of her husband and she had no one she didn't have any children she didn't have she was all alone my dad ended up becoming friends with her and would visit her at the prison in new york once a month just to see how she was doing didn't even know her just found out about her, found out about the case. That's that's like that's how I was raised. You know what I'm I saying? Know, like yeah, my father. My, no, really. That's it's sorry, unbelievable. Right uh, you know, you know, that's beautiful, man. And I love hearing that. I love hearing your passion, your voice when you speak about your dad and, and the pain when you speak about the in, injustice and, and that was uh, put on you with this this ugliness. And that's where it comes out of passion. You know, your dad was a wonderful person, Bert, man. I remember you talking the stories. Yep. And you, know, the, yep. you guys being the Giants Stadium serenaded Ali Sherman. Bye, bye, Ali. Because everybody. <laughs> that's it. That's Allie what I remember out. as a kid. Yep. I, every year at Yankee Stadium, sitting in the bleachers of the Giants in the 60s, and they were so bad. I remember the crowds singing Bye Bye Alley yeah. all the time. Boy, that brings back some memories. Yes, it yeah, does. That's a beautiful memory, man. Thank you for that memory. And uh, just sharing yep. some some good times. And, and uh, you take care, buddy. I'm always out there, so. I'm setting my light up Thank now you. for my fans, for my daily fancy. And so I'll see how I'm, I'm playing <laughs> it out. It. And I'm not to speed with NBA as much as I am NFL, but you know, I'm playing a starting out with a free contest first. And yep. And then I'm going to go from there. It looks like a lot of fun. So I'm in one contest. I'm going to give it a try. Take care. My hey, friend. you'd be good. Hey, that was a right, great, great care. segment. Thank you. Really. I do love reminiscing as you can tell like cause those were such uh sorry. I have like tears. <laughs> Um, yeah, those were, uh, those were some days. All right. Hey, if you want to come on, uh, hit your hand icon, raise your hand. We will put you right on. We'll be, uh, doing the show again tomorrow at uh, three o'clock again. Tomorrow's a big day in the national football league with the, uh, franchise tender deadline. And, you know, you talk about Aaron Rodgers, and you talk about, What's going to happen with Devontae Adams? If Devontae Adams is in Green Bay, I, I think Aaron Rodgers is in Green Bay. Here's the other deal. If you're Devontae Adams, do you want to be in Green Bay without Aaron Rodgers? You won't have a choice if you're tagged. But the answer to that question is no, you would not. No. So these next 24 hours uh, could be pretty big uh, in the National Football League. So if you want to get on before we adjourn, 
I don't know if I have any more like like you know, it's another thing I always talk about when I do these shows. I don't sit and write everything down about what I'm going to talk about. And the reason why I keep on telling you that I need your phone calls is because I don't really know where you're going to take me. Like Philip calls me, right? Philip's great. I love Philip. Philip has been such a huge fan of my radio show and Sacramento sports. And so Philip starts talking to me about the boxing at Arc Arena. Now look where that's taken us on the show. And then, you know, Al and what we just, you know, when he talked about, you know, his dad didn't have a lot of money and then didn't go to a lot of games. Well, my dad didn't have a lot of money either. And my, I grew up with a sister who was uh, severely handicapped at birth and almost every spare dime that my dad made went to my sister. And I still to this day do not know how he had money left over to take us to games. And I really mean that. Um, I, I mean that with every ounce of my body. I, I don't know how he was able to do that. But then when I think back about how prudent he was with his money and like, I mean, I remember going to Yankee Stadium. I remember when we started going to Yankee Stadium in the 60s for the New York Giants games. We were sitting in the bleachers. I think it was section 46. All right. My dad would give my brother 75. He'd give us three quarters each. Three quarters. And say, here's your money for your hot dog and your soda or whatever you. And for 75 cents, you could buy a hot dog, a drink, and an ice cream. That was it. That's what we were getting. You know, we'd go to the game. And then my dad actually, we started bringing all of our food to the game. He would make sandwiches for us and we and you were allowed to walk in with food and i remember eating the food that my dad made to save money going to the games did that all the time all the time so you know when i when i said that i was just like yeah you know and i and I'm, i used to go grocery we had a store in Sayasa, new york it was called the amp the amp supermarket and my dad would go Every, every Saturday, we'd go to the dry cleaners that was right next to the A&P to drop off some shirts and stuff. Because, you know, my dad wore a suit and tie. You know, my dad was a businessman, had his insurance business. And the A&P supermarket. And I tell you, my dad would buy the stuff that was on sale. Like, I was like, stuff that you never heard of just to save some money. So, yeah, those, those were some. Those were some days. All right, let's get to uh, some more phone calls right here with uh, Jeff. Jeff, you're on uh, Listen Out with Grant. How are you, Jeff? I'm doing very well. How about yourself? I'm good, man. What's going on today? So it sounds like you're telling me that my kids pay attention to what I do and say. That's that's the, the, uh, the oh, lesson that I think uh, I'm learning today. Let me tell you something. They're going to pay attention to what you do and what you say more than any other person in the world. And so I you're darn you. right. Yeah, I've got little ones still, and yeah, they they are already mimicking. Uh, I say little ones still; they're they're older. They're too old for me. They're, I've got a seven and a five year old, but uh, yeah, it sounds like uh, maybe I need to start shaping up some of those things too. Listen, when my when we were, I, I, I I've told this story. Well, at. I've told this story over and over again. When my friend Chris was over my house when we were eight or nine years old, 
He was an only child. We lived around the corner from me, and I used to go to his house a lot, and his dad would say the N-word. This is the 60s. And I and when I heard the N-word, I was like, oh, boy. And, you know, I'm eight years old because in my house, you know, you, you knew that's just not going to fly. And Chris said the N-word, and my dad said, Chris, come here. And my dad took him away and talked to him for like 20 minutes. And later in life, you know, Chris, in 1995, when he came on my show, told me, he goes, you know, I never told you this that day, but your dad changed my life that day. So you better believe that you can have an impact on a young person's life by just education and educating. And, you know, I always talk about you only know what you know. You don't know what you don't know. So we're talking about an era of no cell phones, no social media, no internet, no anything. And if you're growing up in a household and you hear derogatory or you don't know if it's derogatory, but if you hear the N word or you hear other words, you think that's normal. How would you know anything different? You know, you weren't being taught that by your teachers at school. You weren't taught, you were, you were being taught how to live and what your values and morals were based on what you heard at home. Mike Lamb, who was my broadcast partner on radio in Sacramento for a number of years, I had Mike on my podcast a year ago, and Mike talked about growing up in Clovis, and he talked about the redneck environment. Mike said, I didn't know any better. He said, I only knew what I knew growing up. And he talked on my podcast about going to USC and how being around the black players changed his life, that it gave him a whole new education into a whole new world that he didn't know existed. And to this day, to this day, Ronnie Lott is one of his very best friends. And he talks about the impact that Ronnie and Marcus Allen and, and the others on the team made on him because it broadened his horizons. It was a, it was a part of his life that he didn't know. He, it had never existed growing up in Clovis. So I'm just telling you, you better believe that your children, okay, are looking and they are, they are aware of everything you're doing and you can instill in them amazing values. The values that I have to this day as it relates to equality and how I live my life is I'm, I'm, I'm my father, except for I'm not as nice as my dad was the nicest person on the earth. I'm not, but, but my values, my core values of who I am. Yes. From, from my father didn't talk to me a lot about these things. My father led by example, my father never talked to me about what he said to Chris that day. He didn't have to. I just knew like you, 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 just kids, you know this, you were a kid once, you take in everything, you you observe, you see everything, you know, right? So I'm sure probably the yep. same is true of you and how you were growing up, you know? that's. I think we can all say that. No, it's, uh, I, I love it, I love it, it's, it's beautiful. Can I ask you uh, one, uh, one question related yeah. to sports real quick that came across yes. uh, my screen today? Uh, Calvin Ridley, Atlanta Falcons wide receiver, sits out- Yes, I saw that. Because a mental, you know, you said, hey, I've got to get my yes. mental stuff all fixed. And so he sits out, starts gambling on games in yep. 2021. I'm assuming while he's sitting out, but I, I didn't get deep into it, I guess. I could have found out. But but uh, now he is suspended for the entirety of the 2022 season. I'm curious what you think about this. I think that the worst thing for the integrity of a league is the even suspicion of gambling on games that you're playing them. We've seen it with Pete Rose. He's not in the Hall of Fame. We saw it in the NBA with Tim Donaghy. 
the NBA ref who they proved was a rogue official. But what did that do among the sports fans? It made the sports fans wonder, are the games fixed? Are the games in the up and up? Or are there things going on behind the scenes that affect the outcome of the game? Brian Flores' lawsuit with the Miami Dolphins. Okay, against the owner, Stephen Adams, and alleging that Stephen Adams offered him one hundred thousand dollars to intentionally lose games so they could tank and get the number one pick. What happens that hurts the credibility of sports? It hurts the foundation of what we think professional sports is. So do I think it's too severe? No, I don't. I think if you're an NFL player and you're betting on NFL games, I personally think you should be banned for life. That's what I was getting at. More, more than anything, I was. I the question is, is is one year acceptable for a situation like this? Now, acceptable? No. Gosh, I, I, I honestly am still trying to figure out what I think about this. I mean, we we live in a country where uh, professional gambling is is called betting on Wall Street, and we've got politicians yes. that can do it no problem. So, suspending these guys and shutting them off for a year. I have some weird reconciliation about, man, we, we allow certain people to get away with things. We hold other people accountable. We, and yeah, Pete Rose, banned for life, no Hall of Fame. I, right. That feels a little odd. Well, knowing who Pete I will Rose say this, though. I will say this. Uh, I will say this. And every, every single major league clubhouse has a sign when you walk into the locker room and it tells you what the punishment will be if you bet on baseball. And Pete Rose, every time he managed, that was the first thing he saw when he walked into the clubhouse. So he can't say he didn't know because it said so right on the door entering the clubhouse. They said what the penalty would be if you were found to be betting on baseball. So at least I will throw that out there. But I I do understand. To me, Pete Rose would have been in the Hall of Fame if he didn't lie about it year after year after year after year after year. See, not only was he guilty of betting on baseball, but he lied about it over and over and over and over and over again. And I think in society, if you do something wrong, just come out and say, you know what, I, I messed up. I'm sorry. There's nothing wrong with saying I'm sorry. But Pete Rose wouldn't say that. And I think that's his I think that more than anything else is why he's also not in the Hall of Fame. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jeff, good hearing from you, man. Really appreciate it. This has been a great show today. You know, it's amazing. I just start talking and... I look back and I'm like, wow, we've been on an hour and 16 minutes and we've had some great phone calls. I think Philip got me going today. 
you know, Mark had a great call to start off the show. And then when I heard from Philip, I was like, wow, Philip talking about the boxing at Arco Arena and going back to Arco this weekend. Maybe we'll talk more about that uh, tomorrow. We'll talk about some of the great events. I, I talked about some of them today, but some of the real great events over the history of that arena. Pretty amazing when you think back at it. Eli, how are you today, Eli? Hey, good, Grant. How are you doing? I'm good, Eli. What's going on? Hey, you brought up Tim Donahue just now, and I wanted to I wanted to know if you could educate me, educate us on exactly what you know about that. Like, are there specific games we know for sure were fixed? And obviously the O2 game, I'm sure you've been asked a million times. Do we know anything definitive? I mean, we don't know definitive. No. But what's your, the, what's one, of the, on one of the biggest misconceptions is Tim Donaghy didn't officiate any games in the Kings-Lakers series, you know, and so a lot of people think that he was on the floor for the Kings and the Lakers games, and he, he you know, and so um, what I know was the NBA, to the best of my knowledge, pr- was able to prove that his gambling, his calls did not affect the outcome of any games. But, I, you know, again, I don't know. Now, Eli, the other part of that is the NBA did a, obviously a huge investigation and determined that he was a rogue official. But do we honestly believe, and I'm just throwing that out there, that in all sports, whether it's an umpire or a referee, that there hasn't been one other official that's done the same thing? Yeah, I don't think we, we believe that. <laughs> yeah. So, I, but, you know, the game six to this day, the 2002 NBA Western Conference Finals to this day is considered as the worst officiated game in the history of the NBA playoffs. And it's not by the people in Sacramento. I remember the Michael Wilbons of the world, you know, all of the, the, the national media members who had no rooting interest in that series came out and said the same thing. And to this day, you can ask anyone what was the worst officiated game in NBA history in the playoffs. And it was that game. And here's something else that really bothered me. Dick Pavetta. Bob Delaney and Ted Bernhardt were the officials for that game. And I believe I know for a fact that Delaney and Bavetta did. I can't remember Bernhardt. They all ended up officiating NBA finals games. And that to me was such a joke. How could you have a game of that magnitude? Game six of the Western Conference finals be so poorly officiated. It was known around the country that it was the worst officiated game. And yet they're rewarded by officiating in the NBA finals. That was a real problem back then. Yeah. So what would I guess what would your best professional guess be like? It was just poor officiating and coincidences or deep down, you think that there's probably something sketchy going on? Well, I watched Kobe Bryant give a forearm shiver into the face of Mike Bibby on an inbounds. And I was announcing the game. And uh, I to this day, I can remember it. It was to my right on the baseline. And Bob Delaney was, I had almost eye contact with Bob Delaney, who was standing on the baseline. And Bob Delaney was looking right at the play and did not call it. It should have been a flagrant foul. I mean, it was, if if you had done that in today's game, you would have been ejected immediately. And how the officials could miss even a call like that. The calls in the fourth quarter were so egregious and so unbelievably Uh, questionable that if you talk to the players that played in that game for Sacramento, they will all tell you that they thought the calls were made intentionally against Sacramento. I have a trouble. I have trouble allowing myself 
to go there. And maybe because I was too close to the league, I was in meetings every year. I was in meetings with officials every year. And maybe I got caught up in believing what I was being fed. But uh, I will tell you, it would have ruined my entire perspective on the NBA and professional sports if I actually believed Eli that that game was fixed. I don't even know if I could have continued working. I really mean that. I don't know if I could have continued announcing for a league if I believed that that game was fixed. So to my, to, I just think it was a really awful officiated game. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people disagree. A lot of people disagree with me though, but that's fine. That's, that's my view on it. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that grant. I always kind of wanted yep. to know your perspective on that. Hey, have a great day. You too. All right. Take care. Great show today. Great show today. Tomorrow, let's do it again, right? Why don't you come tomorrow? Think about this. Philip had a great call today. Why don't you think about some of the great memories that you had at Arco Arena, whether it's a concert, whether it was the circus, whether it was the ice show, whatever, a religious, how about a high school graduation? Maybe you saw your son or daughter or your grandson or granddaughter or your brother or sister graduate. They had high school graduations out there all the time. Maybe it was that, right? Maybe it was uh, the WNBA championship, the Sacramento Monarchs. I mean, think about some of the, the, the great, great memories from that building. Why don't we do that tomorrow, right? Let's do that. Think about it and then call me tomorrow. Hey, this is a great show today. I love doing this show. I appreciate you. I appreciate all the phone calls. I'm back tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Have a great day, everybody. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.